This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. Thanks for tuning in. I am one of your hosts, Clark Rockfall, ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. And I am Swathananda Kumar, your other host, um, ACB's Advocacy and Outreach Specialist. Hi, Swatha. Hello, Clark. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Great day. It is a it is a great day. It's a great day to be joining uh, everyone listening to this podcast via your favorite podcast player, as well as everyone tuning in on the ACB Media Network. As always, if you'd like to learn more about ACB, uh, please join us and check out our website at www.acb.org. Yes. So, t- so today's topic is there's going to be a variety of updates for our members and for our, yeah. A hodgepodge. Hodgepodge is a hodgepodge. A smorgasbord. Yes, a grab bag, a white elephant. (laughs) (laughs) The the Halloween assorted variety five-pound sack of goodness. Trick or treat. Let's go. There you go. It (laughs) is. It's spooky month. We're here. Uh, the week of October 25th, Halloween is just around the corner, and and we've got a lot of goodies for all of you out there in ACB Media Land. Yes, we do. So let's kick it off, Swatha. Let's go. So first off is budget reconciliation reconciliation process. So. As it, the House and Senate um, drafted versions of the budget resolution bill, which is $3.5 trillion, but it will not be, it will not be, it will not, it will not cost it much money if, if Jill Manchin and Kirsten Ma have their way. So, well, yes. how much is $3.5 trillion? A very, very, very high number. I, don't, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't that much money at all. So, that that is a lot of money, and I mean, this is a very large part of the economic and social agenda for the Biden administration. Um, the the White House, as well as uh, Democrats who have the majority in the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate, by the slimmest of margins in the Senate, it's fifty fifty split. Uh, but Democratic Vice President Kamala Harris is the tie-breaking 51st vote if everyone stays you know, in lockstep on party lines. This budget reconciliation package includes some big stuff that our members care about, right? Yeah, they do. Yes, we have lots of um, issues. Um, don't you, don't you, one issue in particular is the... Medicare vision benefit. Yes, Medicare vision benefit. So one of our legislative imperatives is the Medicare Demonstration of Coverage for Low Vision Devices Act. Uh, but if it's possible to get a 
vision benefit in Medicare that would provide routine eye exams, glasses, contacts, and, you know, remove the eyeglass exclusion, that's a pretty big deal. That eyeglass exclusion is the reason that Medicare does not cover anything with a lens and why Medicare uh, banned low vision devices back in 2008. Also, when we talk about a vision benefit, when we talk about routine eye exams, I, these are ways to uh, prevent, prevent falls in, for older Americans. This is a way to diagnose diabetic retinopathy uh, for folks who have uh, diabetes-related vision loss. And coming up in November is Diabetes Awareness Month. Um, so very important issues. Everyone should have vision coverage and the ability to have routine eye exams and uh, corrective eyewear and access to low vision devices. So yes. we certainly want to make sure that this stays in the budget reconciliation package. Mm -hmm. Other items in the budget reconciliation package that our members care about, Swatha? So 20 for transit programs, so paratransit, public transit, all those programs are going to make it, they have deadlines coming up, so we can, we need to update or um, reauthorize these um, programs here. Yeah, and the budget reconciliation package, um, the Democrats in the House of Representatives are, uh, they want the reconciliation package to be passed uh, along with the infrastructure package, which includes reauthorization of uh, surface transportation funding. So to all of the things that Swatha was just mentioning, you know, we're still crossing our fingers and crossing our toes that the Disability Access to Transportation Act will be included. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there, but also broadband funding for broadband access and broadband adoption, making sure that folks have affordable access to uh, broadband and accessible information. This is another program that's included in the budget reconciliation package um, that if we are dropping from three and a half trillion dollars down to Trillion. Yeah, yeah, Joe Manchin's hard stop at one and a half trillion dollars. That's a that's a lot of meat that's going to be carved off the bone. Yes. So we are we're all you know waiting with bated breath to see what's going to happen this week. And by the time this podcast is published, maybe we'll have a, a clearer picture. But uh, you know, stay right. tuned. ACB is watching this issue closely, and we'll communicate it out to our members to let you know if there are additional items that we should be supporting in the budget reconciliation package. Yes. Next up, we have the House Judiciary Committee's hearing um, that was that took place on twentieth of October. Um, this was on the ADA and um, the status of inclusion and integration, 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 for people with people with disabilities. So, and you yes. you attended that hearing, albeit virtually, right, Swatha? I, I did. Yes. What were some of your main takeaways from the hearing? Um, so voting was a big, was a big, was a very big part of the hearing, and um, Michelle Bishop and from from 
National Disabilities Network. She was talking about how we still need to have um, access to electronic return and, and um, access to, it's just the voting process in general is very, very inaccessible for people with disabilities in all aspects of it, in all, in all, all aspects of the, in all aspects of the process, from get, getting, getting there to casting a ballot to the movie mail. So she just wants it all to change and be accessible again. So. And here we are again. This podcast will be published on Thursday, October 28th. Uh, Coming up next week on Tuesday, November 2nd, it's election day in the state of Virginia, where the ACB national office is located. And I will be voting in person because I know that there is an accessible ballot marking device at my local polling location. An ACB of Virginia working with uh, the NFB of Virginia uh, worked really hard in in their advocacy efforts to expand access to vote by mail in the state of Virginia. So in Virginia, you can receive, you can register to vote electronically and accessibly. You can receive your absentee ballot electronically and accessibly. You can complete your ballot electronically and accessibly. But then you need to print it out and sign it and mail it in. Ah, that works. And that's not accessible to me as no, someone who's not. blind, as somebody who's you know, print disabled. Um, that's a barrier that impedes my independence and my privacy because I need someone to assist me with that returning of the ballot. So for, for this election, I will be voting in person, and that's why. So I, I'm glad that that issue, you know, Michelle Bishop and the folks at National Disability Rights Networks are great allies. As many of our members know, their local protection and advocacy agency is a great resource on many topics, including voting access and voting rights for people with disabilities. Swatha, what else was covered at the hearing? This one was... Interesting. Um, we had Karen Hurd, Karen Hearn from the National Federation of Independent Businesses, and she's talking about how the ADA um, the regulation, regulations are um, kind of hindering the growth of small businesses. So if it was a kind of controversial, 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 but it's fun, it's fun to hear about. So uh, it's always important to listen to, I guess, to every side of an issue, uh, whether you agree with them or not. Um, So if the National Federation of Independent Businesses thinks that the ADA is uh, unfortunately burdensome and confusing, it's important for us to, to listen to them, to understand why they think that and where they are coming from, uh, I, personally, I hope they also don't think that health codes and safety codes are are hindering to businesses either. I apologize. That's snarky on my part. <laughs> um, but Swatha, part of this conversation focused around website accessibility, correct? Yes, yes. And most and a lot of these, um, um, many of the panelists and members of Congress that were at the hearing were talking about um, how we need um updated or um, new legislation around 
with a facility, so. Which is a, a hot topic. And Swath, I'm gonna do this to you. I'm gonna go out of order here because related to that topic, um, we had something else related to that happened this month. So the Department of Justice reached a settlement with the state of New York and five counties regarding the accessibility of COVID vaccination and testing information made available on websites, right? Yes. So it's the Kaiser Health News. Uh, they published an article on this topic in early October. And I was interviewed as a representative of ACB for this story. Folks from NFB were also interviewed. And the point was made that there is no clear, there are no clear accessibility standards, you know, legal enforceable standards for accessibility on websites, right? Yes. Um, that doesn't mean that there has not been clear guidance from the Department of Justice for 25 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, we, we know that the Department of Justice filed a statement of interest supporting ACB's claims in our pending lawsuit with uh, Quest Diagnostics on accessible kiosk services. So another example that Department of Justice has weighed in on accessible technology and information access in online services you know, for technologies that were not widespread or that were not specifically mentioned in the Americans with Disabilities Act when it was passed in 1990. Yes, and I think that ties well into the article published yes um about in the in the in Wired um about copyright and accessibility um of copyright materials. So yeah, so I guess it, quickly on the just to wrap up on websites, and then we'll jump into the article from Wired yesterday. Uh, there are two things that could happen that. Well, we we think would provide clear legal standards. First, as was begun under the Obama administration, the, the current Biden administration could promulgate legal enforceable standards and regulations for website access. And not, and not just websites, but websites, applications, online services, portals, you know, let's cover the entire entire waterfront of online and internet access. However it's done, whatever hardware, software, um, create enforceable standards. They have the authority to do it. They just need to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, if, if the administration is not going to act on their own, Congress could pass legislation, um, giving them a specific deadline and timeline for them to act. Now, we don't think that that is necessary, but if they are unwilling to act on their own, then uh, Congress could make it clear that they want the administration to act. Yes. Uh, so the, enough on the, uh, the Kaiser Health News article, as well as website accessibility. Uh, a topic that is is not going anywhere and will be a focus for ACB and our partners going forward. 
And as Swatha mentioned, there was an, an article in Wired, um, a tech publication, a technology publication uh, that, that just came out here this week. And it was referencing the accessibility of copyrighted uh, works and materials. So earlier this year, ACB, along with our immediate past president, Kim Charlson, our former first vice president, Mark Reichert, and I testified before the Copyright Office, along with our partners from the deaf and hard of hearing community, about um, the importance of accessibility for copyrighted works. And this is something that we have to do every three years. You know, the, the need for accessibility doesn't change every three years, oh, yeah. but we need, because of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act and their three-year or triannual review process, we need to go back to the Copyright Office every three years and petition for the right to make copyrighted works accessible. Uh, so what, what does this mean? This means the ability, uh, I know I've done it, I certainly did it in school and I've done it in my work life, but say you receive a PDF that's inaccessible. Now, being able to use OCR to read that PDF or to be able to copy it and paste it into a Word, into a text file so that your screen reader can read it, right? Yes, I've done it as well you know, many times. If not for the, uh, the exemption to the copyright laws and licenses um, that ACB and our partners fight for every three years, you would be committing a crime. You would be violating the copyright law license of that work, even though it's inaccessible and you can't use it. Oh, geez. <laughs> what was that, Swatha? No, you said, oh, geez, it, you just need to be more forceful with it. Like, this is an outrage. Like, why do we need to fight every three years uh, to make to make copyrighted works accessible? Why aren't they accessible from the outset? Why isn't that the requirement? Exactly. Oh, my gosh. This yeah. Thank yes. you. So I, this is a uh, it's a frustrating thing. It's a necessary thing for for ACB to do. For all of our students, um, for everyone that's there in the workforce, and even folks that just want to read an ebook, you know. Uh, yes. You know, you've yeah. got it. Ah, I'm getting worked up. It's too early in the morning for me to be getting this worked up. Maybe I should actually <laughs> eaten something and just not kind of drink a pot of coffee. But you know, you've got your. Uh, I don't want to say any brand names, but you've got your your ebook reader, your tablet. Uh, with your book app, and you download an ebook just like everyone else, and it comes as an inaccessible image, yeah, image, image file, yes. you know, because it's just been scanned in. And, and if not for these exemptions, you'd be violating the law if you made it accessible, mm -hmm. or if you granted uh, access to a text-to-speech engine to read the book for you. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yes, yes, it um, is. And in this article, this Wired article. Uh, the ACB executive director, Eric Bridges, along with his wife, Rebecca, shared what they've been going through the past year throughout the pandemic and the, um, you know, with remote learning and distance learning uh, with 
their local school district using inaccessible software in the classroom and uh, having a e-learning portal that's inaccessible to people with disabilities. And even though their, their son does not have a disability, as parents, they want to be able to work with their child to help, help him in his schoolwork and to check his work. You know, they want to be able to tutor him, but they can't do that with these inaccessible platforms. Mm-hmm. And now that they're homeschooling, they have the same fight. You know, all these homeschooling materials and softwares being inaccessible. So this is, again, it's necessary work that we need to do because the the current laws are what they are. But we'll continue to work with our partners to push the boundaries, make these exemptions as wide as possible, and eventually, uh, you know, get rid of these exemptions. There's already work being done in the European Union that would require accessibility um, in published materials and copyrighted work. So that could potentially be a framework that is adopted here in the United States as well. And wouldn't that be lovely? That'd be amazing. You know, if Swatha, if we get accessible websites and accessible published materials, eventually um, we're going to put ourselves out of a job. How, how great would that be? Good for, for, for the wider, wider, wider community, not for like FP device. So. You know, I will welcome that day that we become, <laughs> that our advocacy efforts become obsolete. <laughs> All right. Uh, something else going on this week, Swatha. The, the great folks in New York and ACB of New York, they have a hearing in their accessible pedestrian signals lawsuit with the city of New York. Um, Anything you want to provide a little bit of background for that issue? Yeah. So um, currently, like, City of New York does not provide um, APS for most or majority of their um, signals or majority of creek intersections. Their intersections. So um, we are ACB in New York, um, Greater New York. Um, they sued for this for these um, to add these to add these APSs into um, their street crossings, into their systems and communities. And as of right now, they are having public hearings this week, um, October 25th this week. So tune in if you, if you, if you want to hear about the arguments in, in either direction. So. Yeah, and uh, members and the chapters and affiliates in New York have been leaders in this initiative. Uh, the the metro cha- metro Chicago chapter of the Illinois Council of the Blind uh, has also filed suit against the city. Uh, mm-hmm. Swatha said that New York doesn't have accessible pedestrian signals at the vast majority of intersections where they have visual uh, pedestrian signals, and by the vast majority, less than four percent less than 4% of signalized intersections in the city of New York have accessible pedestrian signals. Uh, This is, this is absurd. So uh, kudos to everyone in the greater New York chapter and ACB of New York for pushing forward on this issue and uh, a big thank you in collaboration to the folks at Achilles International as well as an American Foundation for the Blind for filing uh, letters of support 
for the remediation plans offered by ACB of New York um, and the, the late Janet Barlow as our uh, expert on this matter, um, just a, a stalwart and a, an amazing uh, visionary and leader when it came to transportation and environmental access for, for our community. Uh, so we are we're very excited that this issue is, is proceeding um, and that it will be a, a landmark decision once, once it is uh, settled or ruled upon in New York. So yeah, more, more to come. It's been a long time coming. Many, it's been years in the work. Um, so it's, it's not over yet, but it is, it is proceeding. Yes, yes it is. All right, Swatha, another announcement that came this month on October 13th was from the Social Security Administration. Yeah, um, yes. So they announced that during 2022, the cost of living adjustment on the COLA will, um, that the benefit benefits for SSI and for SSDI and for Social Security old age benefits will increase by 5.9%. 5.9%. So it's a lot of money and a 5.9%. That's that's a big increase. Yes, it is the increase. Yes, brave increase. It's hugely. Um, I mean, that's the biggest increase. Last year, the increase was 1.3%. Yeah, compared to that, especially compared to that, and also compared to like the last 40 years, the last increase this side was in 1982. So, yeah, that's. That's fabulous for folks who are, uh, you know, retirees, older Americans receiving Social Security, uh, folks on Social Security disability, uh, disability insurance, uh, supplemental income, um, you know, uh, survivors benefits, benefits yes. registered payees. Uh, everyone will be getting these 5.9 percent increases. And Swatha, when does that go into effect? So for S for the so for SSI it goes back, it goes back in December um, of this year, but for um, the others like Social Security old age benefits and for SSTI others um it's, it's it, um takes so takes effect in twenty twenty two in January so look out for that. Yes, and the the cost of living adjustment um, it's tied to the consumer price index so. I guess the the good and the bad of it, right, is yes. that the there is inflation right now, so prices are going up. Um, prices are going up because there's supply chain crunches, there are chip shortages, there's uh, shipping and uh, transportation uh, supply lines have been disrupted. You know whether products and goods and services goods are arriving from overseas or the trucks used to move them across the country. Um, but as a result, prices are rising for consumers. So to ensure that uh, Social Security beneficiaries are not uh, you know, losing, effectively losing money, right? Um, trying to maintain what their benefits are able to purchase, the Social Security Administration has the cost of living adjustment. So that'll be very welcomed news for everyone that the mm-hmm. COLA increase will go into effect in late December and January. Yes. Here this year. 
distracting notices in the mail or on your my 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 SSA account um, on that account in December. And that's right. And because of the the advocacy work of ACB, National Disability Rights Network, and Justice in Aging, we and an update that we provided on our last grab bag podcast last month. We are confident that folks will receive these notices in your preferred alternative format, whether that's through the mail or through electronically through your My SSA portal. Yes, yes, we will. All right. A couple other uh, a quick items of note. Swatha, we did a podcast earlier this month about the 35th anniversary of the Air Carrier Access Act, and we've got a little little update here. Yeah, so in that podcast, we mentioned um, the air travel experiences people with disabilities survey. Um, that was going to come out in the soon. Uh, it's out now, and we will... Um, through good, good link to all, of you, to all of you guys. So look out for that. Yes, we will include the link uh, to the survey seeking feedback from passengers with disabilities. It is a, it's a really short survey. There are some multiple choice questions. There's opportunities to uh, write in. Yes. Yep, elaborate and write in responses. Um, It is geared towards all people with disabilities, so not all questions will be specific to uh, people who are blind and visually impaired, just like not all questions will be geared toward uh, wheelchair users. So it's it's a survey that's intended for everyone with a disability uh, who has traveled by air, who's, you know, who does not want to travel by air or who might want to travel by air. So there's been over 600 responses to the survey. We'd love to get that up over a thousand. The survey will be open for the entire month of November. So if you're traveling for the Veterans Day, Thanksgiving, or Halloween weekends, <laughs> I don't know, maybe, well, you probably travel on a broom if you're traveling for the Halloween weekend, right, Swatha? Or carpet. So. There you go. But that's our <laughs> that's our jokes here. That's what we've got on a on a Thursday morning for you all. Um, so yes, please, please complete the survey. We'll include it in the description of the podcast here uh, and share it widely with all of your friends within ACB, your affiliate chapters uh, and the broader disability community. So we can get those survey results and that can help inform the advocacy work that we do related to air travel and accessibility. Yes, it will. All right, and then last but not least, solutions are up online. Go check them out. Yes, the <laughs> 2021 ACB resolutions are now live on the ACB website. These resolutions were authored by ACB members and ACB affiliates, and they express the uh, the views of our members. They're, they are our members telling ACB National, telling the staff, telling the, the board what our priorities are, what our members want us to be focusing on. And they also express the views of the membership to the broader blindness community, the broader disability community, and the world. You know, they're out there. 
and they are accessible on our website. We know because Swatha checked. <laughs> yes, I checked for y'all. I checked for y'all yesterday, so it should be all, yeah. all good to go. That's right. If nothing else, we practice what we preach here at ACB. Yeah. Uh, so at acb.org slash resolutions. Uh, resolutions from previous years are available as well, uh, but these are the 2021 ACB resolutions. And related to some of the topics we've covered here today, there are resolutions about uh, web and online accessibility. Mm-hmm. There are resolutions about... Yes, accessibility in our healthcare system, whether that's uh, accessible information, ex- uh, disability training for healthcare providers, and the accessibility of durable medical equipment, so, uh, as well as uh, voting in voter suppression. So check out the resolution. Swatha and I will be working with our affiliates and committees uh, to implement these resolutions. Um, and yeah, th- thy work be done. Mm-hmm. Let's go. All right. So that's a, that's a snapshot of what we are tracking and what we are working on here in the ACB national office and on the advocacy team. Uh, hope everyone has a, a happy Halloween and tune in next week. We'll have some more, some more guests and some more great topics um, here on this podcast for you. As always, if you have any advocacy issues, you can reach out to Swatha and me, and how can folks do that? You can email us at advocacyacb.org, or they can call me at 202-467-5031. There you go. So give us a call or shoot us an email, and... And now that we have all these resolutions, Swatha, you know what we're going to be doing. Keep advocating. This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. ACBM wants to send along heartfelt greetings to all of its family throughout the ACB community. Having hosted two outstanding and invigorating ACB national conventions, they are committed to expanding opportunity for Americans who are blind and visually impaired. ACBM supports the James R. Olson Memorial Scholarship honoring one of its past members, and they continue to not let life during these challenging times slow down. ACBM invites all to their informative bi-monthly community conference calls, ranging on everything from sports and technology to gardening and loving life in the land of 10,000 lakes. They hold quarterly monthly membership meetings, monthly coffee gatherings, and monthly board meetings. To learn more about ACBM, visit their website at www acbminnesota.org or call 612-223-5543. ACBM, a supporter of the ACB Media Network.